Okay, well, uh, I'm going to pray, and then I'll let you know why it looks a little bit different today. But I'll pray first. Dear God, uh, we, thank you for, uh, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather as a body of believers uh, to worship you uh, and to grow in love of you. So I pray that you would, uh, you would do that in our hearts today. God, work in our hearts so that we can, uh, we can learn to love you more in a way that will be uh, effective to everyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, uh, if you've been to other Gospel Growth classes before, uh, here usually, this is a slightly different. We have a few more people to join us today. Uh, which is I'm very excited for. Um, so we've been going through a series on the fear of man uh, versus the fear of God, and how the fear of God can help us overcome our fear of man in whatever different situations that we're in. Uh, and so uh, I've been teaching in class. My name is Ben Henderson. Uh, I'm the pastoral resident at Gospel Grace. Uh, myself and Zach have been teaching it, uh, and Zach's back there. Um, so you can look at him. Yeah, that's his favorite thing. Um, so the, the reason why, so this is our, actually our last Gospel Growth class for this, this section, um, and Zach and I come from a uh, particular uh, demographic and gender, and so with that, we have experience within our own lives, but that doesn't encompass everything else. So uh, our, our panelists today are from different, uh, different experiences than us. I was never a girl Hannah's age. Never happened. So I know her situation. And so um, I'm just going to kind of I'm going to introduce everyone, uh, and then we'll, we'll share a bit on uh, their how long they've been going to Gospel Grace, and then also where their life situation is. And then I'll have some questions uh, that I think would be helpful for us all just to uh, yeah grow and and uh, become more aware of how fear of God can help us. So first we'll start at the end. This is uh, Paul and Courtney Howell. Uh, and so how long have you guys been going to Gospel Grace in your life situation? So I've been going for 10 years this month. And uh, current life situation, so I'm a father, so I have four kids from ages 5 to 10. Um, I'm here at the church, I serve as a deacon, and then a work situation is small business owner. Courtney Howell, his wife. Yep, so we have four kids, and I homeschool all four of them. So in elementary school, and before that, I was homeless. Been here ten years. Yep. Thanks. And this is uh, Dave Teague. I've been coming here, I think, almost about five years. Uh, I am a husband, almost uh, twenty-eight years. I have six children that range in age from 25 down to nine. Um, was that about what you want? Oh, and I work, I have, um, I'm a small business partner at a company that makes ornamental metalwork. Great, thanks. Um, and then this is Hannah Quant. Um, yeah, so I've just been coming here since August when I moved here. Um, and I'm a newbie social worker, so I do behavioral health with Yes. So, like, this is the topic we're talking about is the fear of man. And so I've exposed all of them to the fear of man by putting them up here in front of you. So I want to thank them uh, for, for being with us. And so we'll start, uh, we'll start uh, with, uh, with Hannah. So uh, what are some ways that you, you tend to struggle with the fear of man? We've been talking through the course of looking at the three 
areas of exposure, rejection, and harm. Uh, for you, so for you, Hannah, for where you're at, where are some ways that that's shown? Um, yeah, so I think my job definitely into it a lot. So rejection, a big part of my job, quite honestly. I work with teenagers who don't want to be working with me. Um, so I think just seeing that a lot in my daily life. Um, also just in my relationships in general, I think that, that can cause me to fear showing my face or saying what I think for few people might reject me. Um, exposure, I think that has to do a lot with being a perfectionist. I think in our society we're like, oh, perfectionist, you know, that's what you say at a job and you're like, blow off weakness. But I think actually it's, it can cause me to not want to try things, not want to take risks, um, just for fear that I'll be exposed that I'm not perfect. Um, I guess harm, mostly would just kind of like my job, you know, what if I say something about my face and I get in trouble so social work can be very strict about that too. Awesome. Thanks. Um, how about uh, you, Dave? Um, what, are, what are some ways you, you see the fear of man in your life? Well, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to the, to the business as well. And I think for me, it's um, in the position that I'm at and the industry that I'm in, I'm expected to uh, be an expert in my field. <laughs> uh, but when I came into this field, I had no expertise. But it kind of throw you in. you working for. Yeah, so that causes the behavior change to learn more or to hide hide what what parts he might not be able to respond to accurately and perfectly, and emphasize those that you can. Or, or to sort of equivocate on how much you you know you know. Uh, so it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay. I found. Um, I, I'm just looking around. I don't see many other gray heads here. Um, but it's okay to say I don't know, but let me learn and get back to you. I just want to put that out there. That's an okay thing, uh, and it's actually an honest thing. And I've had to say it many times. So it's people appreciate the honesty. If you uh, put it out there, uh, I haven't found that when you say that, that harm generally comes your way. But harm can come if you hide things, uh, and so it's more important to really say uh, to be able to be willing to expose yourself to potential harm because that's what you think is going to happen. But I don't know about everybody else's industry, but in mine, it was okay to say I don't know. Uh, and and then go out there and put it out there. Yeah. Was that like a, a learning process for you in figuring that out of how people would react? It was. Um, one of the first things they had me do was we had to go take some light fixtures down from really fancy light fixtures down from Grand Central Terminal. And we were working with electricians. I was really with a company for like only six months. And these guys have been electricians forever. And they're like looking to me for how to care for this, you know, fancy metalwork. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> just don't drop it, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> wrap it up and keep it nice. But yeah, it's a it's a learning thing and, and really uh, we are none of us are beings, right? We're all becomings. We're all becoming something. Uh, God himself is the only one with being. Uh, he's the only one that that is um, not able to learn. <laughs> and uh, we can all learn. And so 
Why not? <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, so speaking of, of, of learning, so so Courtney, you uh, like teach your kids on a regular, everyday basis. Um, and so with that, and then in other experiences that you have with other people, how, how have you seen the fear of man in your life? Um, definitely in teaching my kids, having my own um, ignorances just brought to the surface when your eight-year-old is asking you a question you truly do not know the answer to. Um, but just having the humility to say, let's figure this out together, let's look at it. Um, you know, it's not, you're not so concerned about rejection from your eight-year-old and things like that. But it does put your um, just inabilities to the surface. And then as you're talking through wanting, or you're saying that you want us to talk through having a parenting focus and like how we're sharing this. I was thinking through fear of man in my context with like my neighbors. For instance, I am home teaching them. We're all living life together, a bunch of sinners. And oftentimes in the summer, especially when it's nice, our windows are open and they hear us living life. And my heart for them is that I want them to come to know Jesus, and yet maybe the things they're hearing through my windows aren't causing them to want to know Christ more. Um, and so just that exposure of, hey, I'm living my life with my family, and then I have a heart for these people, but they probably know more, and I've been exposed in some ways that I'm not even comfortable with, because they don't know the context, maybe, of what's happening in my home or whatever it might be, and having that fear of, are they going to accept what I'm saying about Christ because they see so much of us, um, but also pointing them to just God's grace and our brokenness is just that reminder, like you're not trying to come off as a perfect Christian, you're trying to put God's love on display. Um, so that was one area that I thought of with fear of man in my context, along with having people in my house regularly. Um, with hosting community group or um, just babysitters coming in or whatever it might be, um, wanting to love on people. And then, you know, I have four little kids who are not shy and suddenly put their personalities on display in ways they've never done before. And you're thinking, why are you doing this and acting this way? And this is not normal, but that person doesn't know that this isn't normal. And just all the insecurities, do they think that I'm the kind of mom who, would let these things happen or whatever it might be. So just the insecurities of our own weirdness and like, oh my. Um, but again, just wanting to, being willing to be exposed in all of our shortcomings in order to love on people, that we want people in our home, we want to get to know them, and it's in the process of loving people, you know, things come out that we'd rather didn't, that's okay. Um, so yeah, that and then homeschooling. Um, homeschooling, I think not as much in just the context of homeschooling. I think just being with your kids and as they get older, I really want a relationship with my kids as they get older. And I can see where as they get older, kind of the fear of man in a sense coming out that I, I fear rejection of my adult kids in a sense. Like I want to have a relationship with you. And so sometimes that impacting maybe how I say something or um, reacting or responding viscerally and wanting to keep the peace instead of thinking through, well, what does God's word say about this? I need to come down on the side that God's word does. I don't know if that makes sense. But wanting a relationship with my kids so that impacts how I interact with them. Sweet.
Um, so, so earlier, uh, D Dave mentioned uh, the uh, like admitting weaknesses. Um, so, um, for you, especially in uh, in your neighborhood context, have you seen a situation where like admitting that you're not like a perfect mom has been helpful missionally, or uh, have you seen that at all? Um, in our neighborhood, I think that it has helped connect with other moms because mm. we see each other's brokenness. Yeah. So just um, being open about the struggles of life and parenting and being able to connect um, on the fact that it is something that's beyond our own strength, for sure. And then we hear each other. So we've, I've come up before and then like one of my new neighbors, just, you know, you probably heard a lot just now, you know? <laughs> um, but he has said the same thing, you know, and to be able to say, you know, life is hard and go through just the realities of life with each other openly. We live in these houses right here where your windows look into each other's and you can hear each other. So, um, and it's not a gift to just, there's no pretense. It is what it is. And we need support. Thanks. Uh, so, how about for you, Paul? What are some ways you see the fear of man in your context? So, I'll go ahead from the employment side of things, like Dave did. Um, so, I'm in the insurance industry, and I have a lot of hard conversations every day with people. Some that are very good things, exciting things happening in people's lives. Some things are hard um, there, and so uh, that leads to that can lead to some fear as far as, hey, am I telling these people what they want to hear? The other nature of my business is I'm compensated based on production too. So there's that fear of, hey, if I don't share what they want to hear, will that impact mine? And then also trickle down to my team's income and opportunity as well. So it's just filtering that throughout the day, obviously um, trusting the Lord with those answers that people might not like at times. Um, there is something I have to work on and I do work on and also not letting that just um, lead me to, to the temptation of not being totally accurate with what I give them, if it would potentially be harmful. Uh, and then looking at it from the peer side of things as well. So I feel like there can be a level of expectation of those in the same industry as mine, uh, as I'm in to, to continue at a certain level um, there. And perhaps if that production isn't reached, that might limit opportunities of growth or even collaboration amongst others there. Um, so that's probably how it manifests for me in work there. Mm -hmm. So then uh, with that, like how, uh, how do you try then to, uh, to maintain honesty and uh, uh, above boredness with, with the people that you're, you're talking to? Yeah, I think looking, looking back and seeing how God's consistently provided for me, I don't need to take things into my own hands. So that gives reassurances that Lord meets our needs and cares for us and he has. Um, and then also knowing that just as a believer, it's my job to be honest with people and not let fear um, try to dictate to my answers to try to control those because ultimately I'm not in control of the situation anyway. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Yeah. The truth is neither of that. True. Right? But our society wants, wants us to believe or, or, or people often postulate that they are in control. Right, that they are the arbiter of what's true or what's right or what the proper responses are. Um, but we know who the arbiter of those things is, um, but they might not know, right? And so how do we respond to those shows of strength of others um, says a lot about the condition of our heart with respect to 
where we place ourselves under God's authority or not. Confidence. That's great. Thanks. Um, and so kind of with that, for, for Hannah, for you, um, you talked about uh, uh, like fearing like, you know, with your working with teenagers, you've got them right there in front of you and it's easy to be exposed. Uh, and so how have you seen uh, the fear of, of God help you in, in those situations? Yeah. Um, I think just reminding myself that it's God's approval that matters and that I already have that approval. Um, a passage I've reflected a lot on this year is First John 4. Um, Will Gulkin always talks about First John 4, so I have a conversation with him about it sometime. But just thinking through like God's perfect love and how that can cast out my fear and actually help me to love them in a way I never would be able to if I was so fearful of their approval. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still an area I struggle a lot with, and every time it's that, that moment, like, okay, breathe for a second, don't say, don't say something right away, and just remind myself that the Lord loves me. Mm, yeah, anchoring ourselves in, in God's love, kind of that same kind of confidence that, yeah, Paul and Dave were talking about. Um, and so, um, what are what are some ways we'll go to uh, 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 to Dave? Um, so, what are some ways that you try to be? Uh, 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 we kind of talked about earlier uh, being hum- humble and obedient and prayerful uh, is kind of our, our godly ways to avoid the fear of man in our lives. And so uh, what are some ways you've used those uh, or uh, some other ways you try to prioritize the fear of fear for With respect to humbleness. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, well, over the years, it's it's become increasingly clear to me that um, what comes out of your heart with respect to humility, o- obedience, or prayerfulness is is really what you put into your heart. Um, and so, the, the the thing to put into your heart is the Word of God. That's the thing. Um, whatever situation you might find yourself in. Uh, and how how you respond to it will be governed by the inclination of your heart. And so um, you need to be reading the Bible. Um, we we heard a lot about that this morning. And if you were here for the first service, or you or you will in the second service, um, the seed of what your life is is the Word of God. Um, and, and then how you respond to it really um, lets yourself and others know uh, your position with respect to the ultimate authority, right? So we, we really need to be reading it because we need to know it. And reading it is good. Memorizing it is also good and does different things for your heart and for how you respond to things. Um, if, if you know what God expects, because of how he's revealed himself in his word, and you know him because you know his word, and you can't separate those two. Whenever, whatever comes your way, whether it's a neighbor, or a client, or a difficult teenager, whatever it is, uh, what comes back out of your mouth and out of your body language and out of your, the way you look at somebody, um, if it's coming out of God's word, you can't go wrong. Uh, you might, and you probably will, be persecuted for that. But that God says in His Word 
that we should rejoice in that if that was to happen because it's confirmation of our position in him. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, uh, so for for you, Courtney, how do you how do you help uh, uh, how do you help your uh, your kids develop this this fear of the Lord um, in their relationships with other people? Yeah, I think um, can and for myself too, just remembering yeah. that it's a work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and so that takes the pressure off in a sense of like, okay, I am not responsible. We are not responsible for other people's choices or if they're saved or not. That is something I have to continually remind myself when I'm talking to people because I can feel the pressure of, oh no, what verse would have been a better one for that context of that conversation or that didn't really point them to Jesus. And I'll think I'm second guessing yourself, but just trusting that first of all, this is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power of the gospel. So let it do its work let the Holy Spirit work and just be faithful. And so in order to share those things, we have to know God's word. Um, and so memorizing scripture as a family is something that we do a lot. And that's been a big blessing to all of us. And then my eight-year-old will call me out on my own sin. <laughs> the scripture he's memorized. We memorized First Corinthians 13. And he's like, Mom, what does being irritable mean again? <laughs> just being called out in your sins by your children is a gift, even though it's difficult. Um, and it's just humbling to just say, okay, none of us are doing this perfectly. We need the Lord. Well, that the kids can see that I regularly fail, but we can ask for forgiveness. Like that repentance and that heart of admitting and confessing our sin to each other is... Um, so free to do that with each other, even though everyone already knows, it just um, heals relationships. So just mo- try to, to model the gospel um, because this is how we have to interact with all relationships. We'll have the same issues on different levels with everybody and just kind of normalizing it and encouraging them to love others and um, trying to model humility when I'm called out in my own sin. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so for you, Paul, how do you uh, try to model that that humility, uh, especially in your relationship with coworkers who who may or may not be believers? Yeah, I think. I mean, probably for me, a lot of times the the center of it is pride because I want to be viewed at a certain level of production. I'm not a very emotional person, so I wouldn't say that the interactions with people like hurt my feelings or I'm afraid of harm necessarily. Um, but it's probably perception on there. So as I was just thinking through this, a couple of scripture pieces of uh, Proverbs 29, 25 was helpful. Just the directness of it. The fear of, of, excuse me, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And then recently, it's kind of funny, I bought the book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness for the second time. <laughs> I forgot I had already read it. <laughs> and Courtney saw me reading it like, you already have that. And sure enough, I had it, had taken notes and outlined it. <laughs> um, but anyway, there's a quote in there that I pulled out that I thought was helpful for me with pride. Um, and that's gospel humility is not needing to think about myself, not needing to connect things with myself. It is an end to thought such as in this room, excuse me, I'm in this room with these people. Does that make me look good? Do I want to be here? True gospel humility means I stop connecting every experience, every conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself, the freedom of self-forgetfulness, 
the blessed rest that only self-forgetfulness brings. So I think resting in that, that it's not about me, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. I mean, if we truly embrace that the earth is not our home, what's the worst thing that somebody can say or do to us and how is it really going to impact us for eternity? So just trying to remind myself of those truths. It's great. It's great. I like how that's, that's really practical and something that very uh, good to implement. And so, um, so yeah, so for you, Hannah, what are some, some other practical things? Like you mentioned earlier, like you have good passage from Pastor Will, First John 4, uh, that, that you go to. What are some other practical ways you live with the fear of the Lord as a center? Um, I think just kind of ripping off of her specifically. I Great. think that's huge because at the end of the day, like in our sin nature, we're going to go straight to the fear of man every time. Mm -hmm. And I think just asking the Lord, like, help me to fear you above man, um, because there's no way I can do it in my own strength. That's impossible. So um, I think for me that's huge. And just throughout my work day, just praying, like, God help me, God help me. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. What, um, like, uh, uh, in, in praying for, uh, for yourself and the people around you, uh, what, uh, I don't know, what, what are, what are some like, like specific things that you go to in that? Like, what do I pray for specifically? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think just asking the Lord to help me to see them the way he sees them and, uh, have patience mm -hmm. and love them and, um, to remember, like, his grace for me, how could I be a hypocrite and not have grace for them when I've done so much for them? Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks. Um, so, so Dave, how about, how about for you? What are, what are some other, uh, uh, other practical ways? Like, you talked about uh, anchoring, uh, anchoring ourselves to the Word of God, and that, if that is what we kind of eat on, a, on an everyday basis, then that can outflow. Um, maybe start with what are some ways that you, you uh, specifically try and do that in your own life um, in, in eating the word of God oh, yeah uh, well for me I really love to memorize that, that's really where I've kind of landed um, and when I, I grew up memorizing verses and that's great um, and then uh, as I got into some of the ages of some of these college age folks here um, I got into a group of people that was interested in, in memorizing passages, um, which is completely different from just memorizing verses. Um, and the neat thing about that is when you memorize passages, you memorize things that aren't the famous things. Uh, and it's a remarkable, uh, looking back over time, how many of those sort of non-famous verses uh, inform responses to challenges, uh, to truth, uh, to um, to to uh, temptations to go against the word of God. Um, even just small little phrases and bits of uh, verses that you you might think are insignificant remind me that nothing in the word of God is insignificant, right? I mean, we all there are ones that we're all drawn to um, that are. I'm just using the word famous, but um, can I give an example? Okay, so once I walked into a conversation in work that I didn't know was happening, I just opened the door and walked in, and there were three or four people in there that were uh, Mormons, and they looked at me walking in, and they said, oh, great, you're here. You're a Bible guy, so you must be really into genealogies. 
right? <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> and so I happened to be um, memorizing the book of Titus. And in Titus, Paul cautions Titus to avoid genealogies, for they are unprofitable and vain. And so that was my response. And <laughs> like, oh, and, you know, the word of God just stops traffic. It really does. Yeah. And it wasn't me, it wasn't my words, which is a great thing, right? You, you cannot ever be fearful of using God's words. Um, so then, like, what are, uh, I, an easy struggle people have might be to actually go and like memorize it. What like process do you try to go through to help you with that? Sure. Yeah. Um, the, I found that I've tried lots of different things. Um, and a really good thing is to have one or two or three partners that are like-minded that agree uh, on the process. And for me, the process was a verse a day, every day. And you have to call back then we had to actually go to a telephone and call people on the phone and you would recite it every day. Uh, and we called it spilling it. And so you had to spill it. And it, since we were doing passages, you had to start at the beginning and you had to go all the way to wherever you were that day. Right. And then spill it. Yeah. Great. And so consistency awesome. is the key. Yeah. Consistency, having someone else that can yeah. do it with you. Yeah, like-minded person. Well, yeah. If anybody wants to do that, come see me and we'll do it. Thanks. Yeah. Um, how about for you, for you, Courtney? What are some other uh, practical things you can think of that would be helpful for people in confronting the fear of man? Um, I have really enjoyed actually these mentoring groups that we've been doing through um, the women in the church. If you wanted a mentor, you could sign up. And um, so I'm thankful I get to meet with two girls and counseling other people, and not counseling, but like talking with other people about life and struggles that they're going through. If you have scripture memorized, especially if you're in the words, the spirit brings those things to mind very quickly. Um, and it's been really neat to see how he uses um, in all kinds of situations, his word, if it's stored up in your heart. So I think just having relationships with people, like having the kind of friendships that you actually go deeper than just, hey, how are you? And that takes putting yourself out there and kind of getting over the fear of man, but understanding that we're all broken. And so if anything, we can connect on our brokenness. We tend to like look at each other like, well, he's into this thing and I'm not into that, or she's into this and I'm not into that. But we all have things that we can connect on. And um, just being open about your own struggles because someone will always be able to connect with you on those. Um, and it kind of like lays the foundation of being able to have a true friendship. So like getting over yourself in a sense and just saying, okay, I need friends. And when I'm with friends, I have opportunity to love them and get over this fear of man. And you just can love people and you receive so much love. So I think that being open with people is just helpful. I tend to call my sisters and call people at church and even maybe this is a girl thing, but like verbally process things going on in your life. And then people call you out like, well, it seems like you're struggling with humility right now. Well, that's not what I want to hear, but you're probably right. <laughs> but, um, you know, people love you and then it gives you confidence. Like I didn't hate that person for calling me out on my sin. Therefore, I can probably love this sister in Christ by calling her out or encouraging her. And then it just helps the family of God work in the way it's meant to work when we're open 
and just sharing life together. So. Yeah, that's great. So what might you say to someone that like maybe wants to like pursue a uh, discipled relationship with someone else but might be hesitant to do that? Um, how could they do that? Yeah, well, I mean, you could always go to Lee Salon to set you up with a partner. But um, if you just have people in your life that you admire, just kind of getting in front of them and saying, hey, ask questions, like show curiosity in their life and how they do things and be open. Like, hey, I like this about your family or I've noticed this about you that it's drawn, I'm drawn to these things. And who doesn't want to hear that about themselves? <laughs> and it opens up the conversation to then just hey, how do you guys live life? How is this a thing that happens in your life and in your family? How do you have this relationship with your kids? And just um, being open that you don't know how to have that kind of thing and you want it. So in the church too, I don't think you'll really ever come across a situation where someone's going to be like, I don't want to talk to you about that. People usually want to share of themselves. Um, and the fact that you're showing interest in them will draw them to you. Like, it's just reciprocal. And there's just a blessing in showing interest in people, being curious of what God's doing in other people's lives instead of being so self-focused. So. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, then, uh, so for you, Paul, like, what, what are some other practical things? Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to add to that, but I mean, we live in a society that's more... There's more news available than ever, but I think people are lonelier than ever because we tend to isolate there. Um, and, I, and I'm and i one that I'd rather just sit and have a quiet evening reading a book by myself, too, um, more introverted in that regard. But I think things like community group is super, help, super helpful for me because it brings people into my life that maybe normally wouldn't be in my life, that maybe see things from a different perspective um, there. So I think our church, I'm thankful for our church that there's so many different avenues to connect. So People here shouldn't ever feel alone necessarily, and if they are, um, it might you might need to look inside and say, hey, is this by choice that I'm doing this? Because I think our church does provide a lot of opportunities to connect um, there. And if you're ever struggling, I would say reach out to one of the pastors, and they can definitely connect you through these different avenues, whether that's community group, whether that's um, uh, mentoring, because if all the exposure that we're getting to believers and Christians is in an hour on Sundays, and then our minds are getting filled with you know, probably a lot of things that are contradictory throughout the week and a lot of false narratives, then we probably are going to struggle. You know, we need to be surrounded by others that uh, can speak truth to our lives from there. Thanks. Thanks, guys. It's been, yeah, I think I've received wisdom from all of you in different times and different areas. So I'm very thankful for that. Thank you for sharing with everyone today. So let's give them a hand. Uh, for being on Gospel Growth this semester, and uh, have a great Sunday.